Welcome to the Freedom Chaser Six Figure Strategies Podcast. If you're an agent or an investor yet to hit six figures, this is the show for you. We take a deep dive into strategies to help you achieve the goal of six figures so that you can grow up to seven figures eventually. All right, guys, meet Marsha Benjamin. She is a corporate operations manager at First Class Real Estate. She's also a franchisee at First Class Real Estate South Florida. Um, and she's here to talk about a niche. So, I mean, I'd love to dive right into it because you're the first person I've ever spoken to that has this particular niche. So let's talk about how you got into special purpose properties, and then we'll dive deeper into the concept and why more people should be interested in it. Absolutely, Tim. I actually started working in the special purpose childcare industry about 10 years ago and was heavily working with churches and daycare centers. And so that's how I um, was introduced to that niche. Fantastic. And how did that evolve? So you were working with them in a consulting capacity, correct? So like, what did your original role look like? And then how did it evolve into a real estate career? Absolutely. So as I was consulting, I was helping clients look for churches um, with childcare centers and um, I would be referring them to other agents for that real estate business. And, but I was the expertise on the deal. <laughs> um, so I decided, well, maybe perhaps I can go into real estate and manage those clients by finding them special purpose properties, whether it be a church or a daycare center. Okay, and what does the process like this look like compared to say your traditional buyer? Like obviously there's a probably commercial transactions those are commercial transactions. Okay, so what, what's, typical, go ahead, I'm sorry. Typical client would be a pastor, or if it was the childcare industry, it could be a teacher, um, someone in education that would like to open up their own schools and need help as far as the business part of it and finding locations. Okay, great. So do you assist them on the business part as well as finding the location? That is correct. Cool. So how did how did you find these people? I mean, imagine you have a referral basis at this point, but how did this originally start off? It originally started started off with um, having access to multitudes of owners. So being in the industry myself, I managed to be around a, a lot of owners um, for quite some time, and they became friends. And so when I went into the real estate career, um, they would reach out to me to sell their schools or find buyers for their ch schools or churches. And oh. that's how it started. <laughs> okay. So cool, like a pastor or a teacher comes to you. Um, I'm assuming out of a referral of some kind, most of the time. Most of the time. Yeah, and they're like, hey, Marsha, I wanna buy a daycare. Right. So like, what does that process look like from front to beginning? I imagine they need a ton of business support unless they've already run one in the past, which I imagine most of your clients haven't done or give me an idea. Most of them work with the school districts when they come to me and they want to open a childcare center. Um, but it's not the same type of process as working as a regular teacher. Um, so I would have to explain to them the education that they need to get the requirements that they require. So it takes about a year to work on their education to be ready to buy a preschool center. Um, once they would have accomplished those goals, then at that time, we would start either looking for um, an existing school that they can take over 
which is much easier than to build one from scratch. But either way, I can do both. I just let them know that if we're building one from scratch, we have to go through the licensing process and that would take a lot longer. I imagine. Um, it sounds like there's a ton of hoops to jump through there. So, I mean, uh, are there typically a lot of schools for sale or is this, I mean, I imagine inventory tends to be fairly low there. So are you doing a lot of conversions or what kind of ratio do you think it is ballpark? Not a lot of, not a lot of conversions. Um, maybe people that are ready, that's been in the business for like 20, 30 years that are ready to come out or retire. Um, those are a lot of the sales that I do, or maybe there was a partnership didn't quite work out and they want to sell immediately. But most school owners own them for quite a long time, just like churches. Those are not businesses that sell quite often. Um, usually when a church comes up for sale, it's because the congregation wants to downsize or the pastor is moving to a different location. Um, so you're right. They do not come up quite often, but when they do, there are already a lot of buyers um, prepared to look at those properties and make a move or a purchase because there's not a lot of them. Yeah. I mean, that totally makes a lot of sense. So that means mm -hmm. when you go into these situations, you're kind of in a high competition situation almost all the time. So you're pretty much always in the 2020 raging COVID market. So how do you put mm -hmm. yourself ahead when you're working with clients of that capacity? Because and man, that must be much more stressful if you're always in a multiple offer situation, almost. Well, I try to get them prepared. Um, prepared financially um, is one of the ways to always be ahead of the game, um, to have your down payments ready and to know exactly what you need so that we're not wasting any time once the property becomes for sale. Okay, very cool. Um, you had mentioned before that a lot of these people are teachers that are getting into the daycare industry. Um, that's an interesting transition. I'm assuming these are more entrepreneur types or. Um, no, so usually they're teachers that have been working maybe 15, 20 years in the school district and want something different. Okay. So how does that work then? Are they buying it on behalf of themselves or is it on behalf of some other entity? No, they would have to create LLCs create a business entity. Okay. So they would create the business entity on whatever the daycare is called essentially and Correct. go through that process and they'd have to go through daycare licensing, whatever that looks like. Okay. That's the year process. Okay. It's a year process. Yes. Because a lot of them don't know what they're doing. And so they're taking it step by step. And, um, and they're working during the day. So they're doing everything on the weekends or when they can. So the process seems to take a little longer for those individuals. That makes sense. Um, let's talk about the churches a little bit. So, I mean, you mentioned before the call that a lot of churches are selling to other churches. Um, is it always the same denomination or is that kind of get weird? Um... <laughs> it's never the same denomination. <laughs> It's always different, um, which is interesting because every uh, different type of religion has like different rules and different requirements uh, and different setups. So um, understanding all of those different religions sometimes is good because that way you know exactly what your client is looking for. It's not the same. 
Okay, so do you work with, I'm assuming you work with quite a few different ones then. So you kind of have an idea what they're looking for and what the difference is. And then that gives you an effective way to communicate with the seller also, because you kind of have an idea how their thought process might be different. Correct. I know exactly how their thought processes. It's just um, some of them require specific things exactly in the churches that not all churches, all churches have like baptism pools sometimes <laughs> in the pulpit. Oh, oh but, um, I, I could imagine there's, there's just a, a huge list, <laughs> especially if you're working with a lot of them, because there's, there's so many religions, so many offshoots just of Christianity. I can only imagine if you're working with the other ones too, it's like, oh, wow. Um, so what, what's the difference in that sale? Because, you know, it's a nonprofit technically. So like, how does your role, is that different because it's a nonprofit or how does that look? Um, it's not different because it's a nonprofit. Um, the only difference is because it's a nonprofit, a lot of times when you acquire a property for a church, if it's not an existing church, then the county has to look at the tax because they don't pay taxes. A lot of the 501c3s um, do not have to pay any taxes. So sometimes the county will have to look at the property to see if they will allow that property to be turned into a church if it's in conversion because they're not losing that tax revenue. But um, but as far as the nonprofit status, no, it doesn't matter. It's the same thing almost. Okay, so pretty much the same thing. Um, do you mm -hmm. think this is a niche that other people should be looking at or do you think this would be a very tough niche to get into? Well, churches don't sell overnight. They take a little longer. So therefore, um, Having someone that can really help you is important. Um, if agents are going to get in this business, they need to understand what kind of business it is. Okay. So, I mean, it's extremely competitive. It sounds like, so like as soon as something goes up, it sounds like you're almost at the, at the gunfire range right away. It's just like, okay, this church is available. Um, so it must be, you probably deal with the same agents all the time. Almost. No, no, believe it or not. No, really? Okay. No, because, you know, pa pastors d don't buy churches a lot. So it's not like a house where you might, you know, hold it for two years and sell it. If a pastor finds a church, they are going to keep that property for quite a long time. Cool. Well, I mean, this is such a unique thing. Um, so thank you for bringing it to my attention. I've never spoken about this at all. Let's open it up a little bit. You're also the corporate okay, no operations problem. manager at First Class Real Estate. Tell me what that role looks like and um, how you're assisting in that capacity. Absolutely. I'm the corporate manager at First Class. I manage about 25 agents and um, I manage the branch office, the day-to-day -day operation. And, um, and also um, handle my own deals, my own leads throughout the um, corporation. So uh, that's my day to day. And um, I'm able to balance it pretty well, I think. Um, but I also do have a back operations team that also works with me as well that makes it a little bit easier. So it's not me, myself and I handling majority of the work on my own. Absolutely. Um, I can imagine that's a lot to balance. So like, what is a balancing act like, um, staying in production, doing these big deals doesn't sound like they're easy. Um, you know, you're helping people through all these hoops and on top of that, you're managing at least 25 agents on a day-to-day -day basis. Like, so how do you balance all of that? 
Uh, I manage, I have a schedule. I have a schedule that um, where we certain, I really, it's just really having a schedule where I have a certain amount of time that I check on my agents. I have a certain amount of time that I focus on my production. And I have some times that I deal with my uh, employees that help me manage the operation. And so that we make sure nothing falls in between the cracks. Out of all those things that you're managing, what do you find the most challenging? The new agents. Okay, and why is that? I mean, I kind of have an idea, but for the audience, I'd like. <laughs> um, they require a lot of training. They require a lot of time. They require a lot of handholding. And um, you have to have a lot of patience because you have different individuals with different personalities. And um, in order for us to help them grow with the first class company, it, it can be challenging at time, but, um, but I'm up for the challenge. I handled them one at a time. Absolutely. Um, yeah, it is certainly a challenge. Um, there's a 90% washout rate for a reason. It's not the easiest job in the world. Um, <laughs> that is for sure. <laughs> so cool. What do you find most rewarding out of all the jobs that you guys are doing over there? Most rewarding is recognizing the accomplishments of, of the agents. Okay. Do you have like an awesome rags to riches story? Like one of the agents that comes to mind that you feel like you made a huge influence on? And, and feel uh, free to pass if you want. That's a tough one. It is. It is. But I would say a few of my new, new agents. I took them from non-production at other um, companies and now they're producing. They're doing very well in real estate. And um, they trusted me because they were one of my very few agents that came on immediately once I started the franchise. So I'm so glad that they are still with us. They're doing very well and they're still following the first class um, family structure. <laughs> very cool. Um, so what do you think has been the most challenging part about working with these agents? Do you think it's getting them to see the light at the end of the tunnel, or is it mostly in between the ears? It seems to be mostly in between the ears in my case, but I think everybody has a, <laughs> has a different perspective. Like one of, one of their broker owner I spoke with, I was like, you could motivate. Um, <laughs> you can't motivate. Um, they have to kind of do that themselves. And I was like, oh, that's, that makes sense. It's like, I could push them in the right direction, but if they're not going to drink the water, right? It's like, Oof. um, Curious what your thoughts are. I just love to get more perspectives on this. Uh, no, that's definitely true. You can motivate all you want. I think I show them through since I'm still in production, that helps because they're able to follow me, see what I do, um, jump in in my closings, they're able to jump in on inspections. Um, I let them tag along. I think that helps a lot because, and they are able to touch me, feel, see me every single time. So I think that helps. But for the ones that are completely not producing um i still stay in contact with them and, and even though they're not producing i will still call them to make sure that they're doing what they're supposed to do or at least checking or at least attempting um, i don't give up on them totally but you're correct you can't you know you can't force someone to drink the water if they do not want to um, sometimes they start seeing other people's production and that gets them going um, you know, I always try to remind them, remember why you got into real estate. And um, 
see where it goes from there. What do you think is the most common reason you get that people get into real estate? Curious if it's different in Florida. For money and and recognition. They like, I believe they like the the recognition um, and they do believe that they're going to make money right away. I think that's the number one reason. Yeah, there tends to be certain personality types that are getting their real estate license, that's for sure. Um, Yeah, I I agree with you. Recognition. A lot of people, Mm -hmm. they they have the achiever mindset, right? Um, Mm -hmm. But a lot of them also think it's going to be so much easier. Like, oh, I'm going to get my license. I'm going to go to a brokerage. And then they're just going to give me people to talk to and houses to sell. And, you know, that's typically not the case. Um, How do you guys do it over there in first class um, South Florida? Um, Because I know some people do a lot of, you know, basically live transfer leads. Do you give people a more entrepreneur type program or are you looking more for agents that you could kind of feed? Um, we do we do both. We do have the lead systems, um, not the live leads, but we do have lead systems, some different ones um, that we use at our brokerage. And um, if they already know what they're doing and they want to kind of be on their own, that's fine. Um, but we really are not being limited at this point because we're just getting started. Cool. Um, is, is that you? I was supposed to say, I got a nice yeah. machine down here too. I was like, that might be me. Um, <laughs> you're good. Um, all right, cool. Where were we? We're entrepreneur versus partner agents, basically. I have more partner. Cool. Do you have a preference for partner agents over the entrepreneurs? And and if you, well, actually, let's just leave it at that. It'll make it easier. Um, I don't have any partner agents, so I would say I like, I, I don't have no entrepreneur oh, okay. agent. Oh, gotcha. So I guess that's an easy I answer. I like partners. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so you give them some leads. Um, do you point them in certain directions as well in, in terms of generating their own lead flow? Yes, we do. We do. Um, we, we give them the systems that we, we have. Um, I've told them that the system, systems work, but they have to use it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that tends to be the most important part. It's like, hey, Follow this step-by-step plan right here. If you do it, it'll work. But, you know, a lot of people don't like to do it for some reason. Um, (laughs) I'm curious, what kind of strategies do you guys have a lot of success with down there um, when you're teaching other agents? The most successful thing when we're teaching agents? No, what the most successful thing would be. um, The most way that I like to teach agents is hands-on. I like to have them get involved. I like to have them do what it is that I'm doing instead of just training, like on a Zoom. That makes sense. So you get them involved. Um, Correct. Essentially, you get them involved in your day-to-day so they could kind of get an actual idea, not like not a conceptual idea, a realistic idea of what the process Mm -hmm. looks like. It's a conceptual idea. It's not worth anything. That's correct. I, I like to, for right now, that's how we're, that's how we're doing. Okay, cool. And then when you have a new agent, do you kind of point them in the right direction based on personality type or are you kind of just 
going off of what you're doing essentially? Right now I'm going off of what I'm doing. Uh, we are thinking about partnering them at one point with other agents. Cool. So like, what, what about your residential business? Are you largely referral based off of your residential leads also at this point, or how are you generating that business? My business is completely referrals, completely referrals at, at this point. Um, yeah, completely referrals. I don't, I've never used the lead system. I've always just went with my spheres and it has always worked for me. Cool. So, so did you mainly work your direct sphere, the people that you already knew, or did you focus a lot on, on expanding the sphere through networking strategies? No, just the people I already knew. Tremendous. And it grew from there. Of course. Mm-hmm. So what kind of, of course, our systems are help us as well. The management system, the CRMs to stay in contact with everyone that I've built, that I've networked with. Um, is constantly sending them information so that I'm never a person that's out of sight, out of mind. Of course, you'd be amazed how much just a monthly mailer will do. Um, (laughs) For sure. Mm -hmm. So cool. I mean, so you have a referral SOI that you built your business upon. So, I mean, essentially, you just got front of mind with friends, family, friends of family, and things of that nature. So I'm assuming that's what you teach your agents as well. I mean, obviously, it's a hardcore model that works (laughs) it's a hardcore model but it works and i tell them every time they test it they see production for sure you'd be amazed Mm -hmm. if you just ask for work consistently you'll get it um (laughs) let me ask you this because you know soi has always been my least favorite lead source so what would you tell to somebody that didn't like calling people that they know like i would prefer to sell to somebody i don't know than like a friend of mine what would I say to someone? Yeah, to point them in the right direction. <laughs> if they like the lead source or their spheres? If they prefer not to use their sphere, but there's probably an opportunity in their sphere that they're overlooking. Oh, no worries. I would tell them that the lead source work. They just have to be consistent as well because I have that as well. I Because I test everything that I use in my brokerage. And the reason why I test it is to see if it does work. So I test it myself. I get leads. They become their, you know, and I let them know, hey, look, I got these leads and I converted them and this is what I made. So the leads work. The live conversions work. Um, It just depends on what your focus is, but you have to focus on something. Can't just not focus on no focusing on spheres, no focusing on lives, no focusing on lead systems. You have to have a system that you focus on because they do work. They do work. Those individuals that are looking for homes, even if they don't buy like now, they may buy in 90 days or six months. Um, So if you're constantly in front of them, giving them information, then eventually they will come to you and they will close with you. But they have to take on one of the systems. A lot of times they just don't believe in anything and don't do anything. And so the results are nothing. But I've seen um, all of them work. Some of them are better than others, um, but I can't even say that leave convergence don't work because I've seen them myself work. Of course, I think it depends on the agent, right? So like yes, yes. the agent needs to be doing what's right for them more than mm-hmm. anything. 
um, all of the strategies work. There's like no such thing as a strategy that doesn't work. Like if it's taught, it works. (laughs) You know, you just have to do it. And if you're not getting the results you want, increase the volume. And if you're still not getting the results you want, you might want to pivot to something else because it might not be a fit for you. But give it six months at least at high volume. Um, (laughs) I like that one. Cool. So, Marsha, what is your vision for like the next 12 months or so? What are you guys working on building over there? Mm, Good question. Our next 12-month vision is to increase uh, our agent rates. So we bought on a recruiter. And we're hoping to increase our agent agent counts. Awesome. So anybody in the South Florida area, perhaps looking to hang their license or perhaps looking to change a brokerage, like what would be the best way for them to get in touch with you? 561-903-7242. All right, guys, there you have it. You have her access or you have her contact information, rather. Uh, Marsha Benjamin, this has been absolutely a pleasure. Thank you so much for giving us a glimpse into your life and into your business. And to those of you out there chasing freedom, freedom is accomplished one action at a time. So commit to taking some action within the next seven days. Maybe looking at the church niche, especially if you are a religious person. Maybe talk to your pastor a little bit and see if you could get into that community because it seems like there's an opportunity there that most people are not looking at. So do so within the next seven days and then tell somebody you know that will help hold you accountable. And before you know it, you too will be living a life of freedom. So thank you for tuning in and we'll catch you on the next one.